Welcome to Read My Lips Radio, a lively hour of unscripted conversations with savvy creatives. Producer and host, a.k.a. Radio Red, asks novelists, artists, photographers, designers, comedians, actors, musicians, composers, screenwriters, directors, and technology innovators about their creative passion, inspirational muses, and how they create. Ooh, how those lips can talk. Now, here's AKA Radio Red. Welcome, welcome, welcome. This is Read My Lips Cool Conversations. I'll duck down for those of you on Facebook watching us live streaming Cool Conversations with Creatives. And I have two of my creatives. I get to take possession of them for an hour here on live radio. We are here on broadcasting live audio. They're already emoting for me. Thank you very much. We're here on live radio on the Voice America Empowerment Channel because we want to empower all you to be creative. Let's just get down to that's what it is. You're not going to hear any lectures. You're not going to hear anybody reading slides. We're just going to have a conversation. My two guests today are so different. Shame on me for having people who have such completely different. I, I don't ever match up my guests so that they have the same topic or even similar. But seriously, I have a gentleman who has had so many careers from stuntman to actor, producer, director, restaurant owner, cooking show host, taxi driver, martial arts instructor, magician, stage hypnotist. Don't you dare hypnotize me. Father, which is one of his favorite things, talent manager, motion picture star. And he's writing a book about business results and marketing. And his name is Steve McChesney. He said, just like Kenny Chesney. Steve, welcome to Read My Lips. How are you today? Thank you, Red. I am excellent and getting better. Thank you so much. I'm so glad to hear that. I don't think you can get any better, but we're going to talk about your multiple careers because you know the old phrase, Steve, years ago, we're going to talk about generations and all that good stuff. The old phrase was, you got to be a company man or a company woman. You got to stay in the job. You got to get the pension. You got to get the gold watch. Do they still have those? I don't think so. (laughs) And you just had to stay because if you jump jobs, oh, you weren't a good person or you weren't serious or you weren't dedicated, you weren't reliable, all those bad words about being an employee. So we'll talk about your success in life. Steve, so happy to have you here. And I met you at the Publicity Summit, and I'm very glad you accepted my invitation. You know, I'm excited because you can hear me off the charts here. And then we have my other guest is Lillian Zeltzer. She is in Australia. It is the next morning. She is, let's see, it's 7.04 p.m. here in Durham, North Carolina, where I'm based. And Lillian, it is what time is there on Tuesday? It is 9 a.m. on Tuesday morning. There you go. And exactly where in Australia are you? I'm in beautiful Melbourne. Well, hello to beautiful Melbourne from here from Read My Lips Radio. And Lillian is a specialist in a word. I don't want anybody to get scared when they hear it because we're not going to talk SEX and you don't have to send the children out of the room. She specializes in aphrodisiacs. Yeah, we're going to talk about how they boost your libido. But Lillian says that aphrodisiacs can improve your ability to win in life success, in love, in money, in wellness. They can help you tame your stress, boost your self-esteem, build wealth. It's something we mostly don't take any, pay any attention to because we think aphrodisiac, that's in the room where we lock the door and tell the kids to go do something else. But she says it's a lot more than that. And there are some ancient potions and we're going to talk about them. Lillian, welcome. Why don't you just give me a little quick overview about how do you define an aphrodisiac? And remember, the kids may be listening. Go ahead, Lillian. <laughs> oh, aphrodisiacs have nothing to do with sex. Aphrodisiacs have something to do with sexual energy that makes you who you are, uh, makes uh, you uh, feel worthy to live life and enjoy it. 
uh, aphrodisiacs are the fuel for your sexual energy, fuel for the body to produce that sexual energy. Uh, and um, we are talking here about real stuff, uh, about uh, minerals and hormones, um, about uh, uh, food and drinks, about other things that actually stimulate our bodies. Uh, but I'll talk about it. A bit. We'll talk about it more. Thank you. I, I like that overview. Steve, are you intrigued? Well, I am, you know, and, and I get it because, you know, what we put into our body, like she was talking about food and drink and things like that, obviously make a difference to how we feel. And I think it's a exciting subject, number one, and I can't wait to hear more about it. <laughs> Good. Me too. And hopefully all of our listeners and our viewers, but I'm going to do a little bit of housekeeping here. First of all, both of you, I want you to join me in saying hello, LLL, and I'll tell you who that is in a minute. So one, two, three. Hello, LLL. That's lovely, lanky Laura Legs, our most loyal listener. And Lillian, your name starts with L, so I'll start with you here. I've been taking a, a, I made up a a pretend GoFundMe campaign because we want Laura to live in London. She lives in Whitestone, New York, and it starts with a W, and it's not as cool as London. So Laura told me it's okay. So we're fictitiously raising money. So I'll be lovely, lanky Laura Legs, our most loyal listener in London. Okay, so you can tell everybody they can make a very, very large donation and nobody's going to see it or collect it, but it's just (laughs) spiritual thing. So thank you very much. She emails me after every Monday night show, Steve, and Laura does and tells me what she got from each of my guests and how much she enjoyed the show. And she's a long line of listeners. Uh, My mom, who passed away three years ago at 100, used to listen in her late 90s on the computer. We set up a favorite link. She used to listen and call me at 801 every Monday night. We talked often in between and tell me how much she loved. Somebody just got a nice message there. And then my cousin, Freddie, on my dad's side in his nineties from California used to listen to the show and email me. I have some very, very digitally savvy relatives. Freddie's long gone, but Mm. Ruth, my mom took up the, and then Laura came along. So thank you very much, LLL for keeping this going. I have to tell you all, let's see now. Oh my goodness. It is April 19th. Where (laughs) 2020 seemed to be forever. 2021 is taking its time, which is good because the world's getting back to a little bit of normal. We like it, maybe even better. It's the 109th day of the Gregorian calendar. So I always say, Steve, I say thank you to Greg, Gregory, Gregor, whatever his mother called him. I think she called him Greggy and he had a really cool calendar idea. So we're still using that. There were 256 days left in 2021. I'm going to address this to Lillian. Lillian, if you know people who need to start creating a special aphrodisiac for New Year's Eve, between 2021 and 2022, they only have 256 days left to do it. Steve, if you know somebody who's looking for a special bottle of champagne in a liquor store or wine, or if they're going to be creating a still in the backyard or in the sink in their garage, they have to start making that homemade Kahlua and whatever they put in it now, because that's not a lot of time. It's also the 16th Monday in 2021, and the zodiac sign is Taurus. Uh, All I know is it's a Venus-ruled sign along with Libra. Libra's my sign, and the symbol is the bull. That's all. We'll leave it at that. So that's our housekeeping. Let's do a little bit deeper dive here. Steve, you've written a book. I read some of your book. Go ahead. Go ahead. Brad, before you get into that, I got to tell you, I'm a Libra as well. And you know, Libra starts with an L. So LLL, 
Here's I the Libras. Here, here the uh, there you go. The liberated Libras. We'll, we'll go with that. I, I like that okay. a lot. Now, tell us a little bit about the name of your book, Steve. I invited you not just because because you right. are who you are, which is wonderful, and because of all the careers I mentioned. But tell us a little bit about what the book is called, why you wrote it, just a little bit, and then we're going to talk about yeah. your multiple careers. So, Steve, I'm going to put you on speaker view. Go ahead. All right. Well, you know, the book is called Rearranging Change, How You Market to an Ever-Changing World. And I got to tell you, it came out last March. I had no clue COVID was about to hit when that book was published. So the title really was fitting when COVID hit because a lot of change happened. So and it did really, really well. But it's a book on marketing. And, and you know, more than that, like this show is about create creatives. And this is a book about the creativity of humans, whether what generation you came from, what your communication style is, what motivates you. All of those things are included in this book because you need to know all of those things when it comes to marketing as well. So even though it's focused on marketing, it's also a very entertaining read, very creative. It is very creative. That's part of the reason you're here. I wanted to mention that in the beginning of his book, Steve talks about five generations we're dealing with right now. We have right now. And Steve, I know from corporate work, I've been in the corporate world for several decades, let's just leave it at that, that we now have five generations in the workplace trying to figure out who they are and to get trained and to work productively and to be engaged employees. And you talk in your book about the silent generation born between 1925 and 45, now in their 70s to 90s. The boomers, hello, I'm a boomer, born between 46 and 64. We'll leave people to their imagination. (laughs) Then we have Gen X, Generation X, born between 65 and 80. I didn't know that my kids were both Gen X. I never thought about that. Duh. Millennials or Gen Y, born between 81 and 96. And they're the ones who are changing the world right now. They They want more. They want sustainability and they want companies to be responsible and they want values and they want to know what's going on. They ask a lot of questions. And then we have, who do we have after that? We have Gen Z, right? Gen Z, 1996. Go ahead. Just keep in mind, Gen Z has never lived on this planet without Amazon. So there's a whole different mindset that Gen Z has. And the oldest Gen Zer right now, believe it or not, is about 24. So they're just coming out of college and they are going to be a a force to reckon with. But like you mentioned, the millennials, I got to say, I raised three millennials. And one of the things I appreciate about that generation is that they're a very caring uh, generation. They, They like all people. They, they don't care about the color of your skin or your religious background or, you know, they just love all people. And I think that's a really good thing for our planet because they are moving into positions of power now. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. They are. And it is. And I also must mention that there are 61 million Gen Zs. They make up 26 percent of the American population. I did read the book, Steve. And they're between <laughs> when you wrote the book between the ages of seven and 22. So now it would be nine and 24. Lillian, I want to bring you into this. Uh, I want you to tell us when you talk about aphrodisiacs, are you talking to any particular generation in terms of your audience? Are mostly you talking to the boomers or the Gen Xers? Are you addressing this? Who is going to, uh, I should say broadly, who's going to benefit from your information? Lillian, I'm going to put you on speaker view. Let's find out a little bit about your target audience. Sure, sure. Well, um, so far in my 35 plus years of uh, research and dealing with aphrodisiacs, I never met a person over 18 years old Um, who was not interested in the subject of aphrodisiacs. Normally people want to know more and see how they can benefit from it. Um, 
and it is not only gender free, open for any gender, and it's any age, and it's also global phenomena. Uh, I never found a spot on this planet, and I've been to 180 plus countries uh, mm. where aphrodisiacs have not been used in the past or present. Lillian, <laughs> yes, and what I'd like to know is what I'd like to know, um, Lillian, is tell me about you and your husband traveled, and you discovered in a book a printout or a handwritten of a potion that led you to be interested in aphrodisiacs. Let's talk a little bit about your history with aphrodisiacs. Go ahead. Oh, that's going back. Um, yeah. When, when I had my tenth wedding anniversary, my husband took me to Paris. The Lucky Town you. Love. Yes, city of love. <laughs> and uh, being a bookworm, uh, he dragged me to uh, left bank uh, of Siena, uh, where all the uh, old bookstores. Well, he dived in, and two hours later, he came out with a couple of books. It was the Cameron, Giovanni Bagaccio's uh, um, book. Um, uh, it's um, old love stories, erotic stories. Um, but the book was falling apart, so he took some sticky tape and tried to put it together as he was doing it. The page fell out, like in the movie. If I wasn't there, I would think that it's not true. But it came out, I picked it up, and it was handwritten, uh, folded page, handwritten, title, Afro Dope, and there were some... Uh, 18 ingredients next to it. Well, I didn't know it was ingredients. I asked my husband what it was. And uh, being a medical doctor, he recognized that many of those were plants with certain profile like adaptogens uh, and uh, known as aphrodisiacs. So, well, he decided that it was a love potion that was put by someone who owned that book long ago and put it on purpose, put on purpose his own recipe or known ancient recipe into the book in, in hope that we'll find it, which we did. And he decided to make it. Well, uh, we were giggling and uh, joking about it. But the fact is, when we came back uh, home, Melbourne, um, well, uh, we went to look for this um, aphrodisiac uh, or um, plants that... Uh, we had to uh, take to make the recipe, but we couldn't find many. Um, in those days, it's pre-computer era. That's how old mm. I am. <laughs> uh, uh, well, we went to state library and looked at all these uh, huge books, and uh, uh, we found uh, the origins of all different plants that were on the uh, list of ingredients and decided to go every holiday to different country to find it at the place of origin and actually uh, buy them or pick them mm -hmm. at their prime to make proper portion. And that's what we did. Uh, it took us a long time because, well, in, we both uh, had businesses and worked. My husband is a doctor and um, I ran multiple businesses. I'm uh, serial entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. <laughs> well, um, and uh, it took us um, until 2005 when we actually gathered all the 
uh, ingredients and he uh, set up lab where he experimented with it and made sure that um, uh, bioactive ingredients are not destroyed in process of extraction. Well, it's a lot of science to it, but to cut the story short, as we traveled around the world, um, we found that people are still using aphrodisiacs, uh, which they um, inherited from their ancestors. Recipes that were used 500 years ago, still used now, and they are effective. Well, many of those uh, we tried on ourselves and why they work. They do work. <laughs> um, well, uh, and uh, but they don't work like your hocus pocus thing that um, enhances <laughs> your uh, sexual pleasures or seduces someone or attracts someone to you. It's not a magic thing. They are simple things like... Uh, probably because I had a medical doctor next to me. He always explained what makes it tick. So uh -huh. it was minerals or it was a, a level of potassium or magnesium or whatever uh, that in it that made it tick. Then we went into deeper uh, aphrodisiacs that touched a lot of different senses. Uh, well, uh, it is known that we have more than just uh, five senses, uh, which was uh, mentioned by, uh, by Aristotle. Uh, we have 21 senses, mm. human beings, um, even more than that. So we started working things like your hearing, your uh, sense of smell, and so on and so on. I can go on forever. Mm. I love the subject and I can tell you that it all works. I'm not talking here about your champagne and strawberries and uh, chocolates <laughs> or oysters, about a real stuff that works. And it's all around you. All you need to know just how to use it, how not to destroy it and enjoy your life. Uh, no one said that it should stop at certain point of your no. life. No, there's no age limit to, to pleasure and to intimacy and to connecting with people. Steve, you gotta say something here. What well, do you think? I you know, I just I want to know if that's the recipe that was the inspiration for the song Love Potion Number Nine. <laughs> <laughs> Lillian found it in a book. Yes, she it, found it in a book. Yeah, it was Love Potion Number Nine. I want to give a couple of ingredients, Lillian. I copied some out of your book here, and here's a uh, there's a legend that the Suleiman the Magnificent, the greatest and richest ruler of the Ottoman Empire, was known as a true connoisseur of food, art, jewelry, and of course beautiful women. He had a harem. Steve, you better be sitting down for this one. He had wow. over 300 of the most gorgeous women from all over the world. So of course he needed his strength, energy, stamina, and desire. And there was a special concubine named Mahidavran. She was given to him as a gift. I know kids don't get back on me about, about being selling people and all that. This is ancient <laughs> times given to him as a gift by a Persian merchant. And she was the niece of a famous alchemist and she knew about medicinal herbs. So she created something that was a love brew called antique Viagra tea. And it's in Lillian's book. And I wouldn't even know where to get most of these ingredients Lillian talk about two tablespoons of galangal root, freshly grated, one Tibetan Pai Pai Ling pepper, a long pepper, 10 milliliters of rose water or orange blossom water. That we could get one areca nut sliced, a couple teaspoons of fresh cream, a tablespoon of honey cold pressed. We could do that. 
powdered sea pearl or mother pearl and four cups of spring or filtered water if you like it better red wine you whisk them together in a pot until the honey dissolves you cover for 10 minutes you pour it into a teapot and you serve through a sieve so you get just the liquid into small teacups and it delights relaxes and provokes steve ready for this luscious feelings of happiness lust and enhanced i'll just say responsiveness steve are you are you going to run out and buy these things steve well i gotta tell you if it did its job for 300 women in that harem Bless him, because I have a hard enough time handling just my wife. <laughs> so- <laughs> I don't know if she's listening or not, but you can tell her. We'll, we'll send her the recipe after. <laughs> Lillian, this is, I'm going to turn my light back on you. Lillian, tell me something. How do you get these ingredients? This is 2021, and we have a global economy. And as Steve mentioned, the, the millennials, the Gen Zers grew up with instant. I want it in the next two hours, Amazon, deliver it to my door. Okay, so Lillian, how do you find these things? Are they on Amazon? The answer is very simple. Um, most of the ingredients, like galangal root, is nothing but the ginger. Just another name for it, another species of the, the same uh, plant. Um, but um, the recipe that you uh, mentioned is legendary. Uh, it's not something that I tried, but there are other um, recipes in the book that I tried, and they are the real ones that uh, people still use in every chapter of the book, and uh, that book called Aphrodisiac Adventures, uh, which I put together uh, during pandemic. It was, well, in Australia, we were isolated, we couldn't go anywhere, and I had nothing else to do as to write my memoirs. And it's um, basically journey through a number of countries. I think it's about 10 or 15 countries that I mentioned there out of many other ones that I would like to write about. Uh, and in every country, there was um, a specific uh, ingredient that uh, was used by native people uh, to promote sexual energy. I'm not talking about sex or sexual act. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sexual energy uh, makes us who we are. It um, makes um, us feel, um, uh, have self-esteem, have um, um, confidence. All leaders, business leaders, they have high level of uh, sexual energy. Um, It's easy to see people with high level of sexual energy. They stand out of the crowd. Uh, they have shiny eyes. They normally attract other people. They're normally um, uh, successful in business, in uh, long-term relationships. So sexual energy is the essence of life. And aphrodisiacs is fuel. Thank you. Very interesting overview. I wouldn't have expected that. Steve, I want to do a segue here, a little bit of a hard turn, if you will. Don't harp on one of the words I just used, please. A hard turn, Steve. I want to go, Lillian's talking about self-esteem and shiny eyes and being a leader. You have done so much, Steve. I mentioned stuntman, actor, film and video producer, director, restaurant owner, talent manager, uh, roadie, martial arts instructor, taxi driver, cooking show host, salesman, magician, stage hypnotist, and a dad. And now you are in the business sales and marketing results coach field. I didn't say business. And I know I I read in your book that you actually came up with something. uh, It was a tour app, a touring app. 
Yeah. You you created and one of your millennial relatives helped you tweak it. But let's talk about all of those careers you've had, Steve. How did you start out? Was it stuntman first? What were you what, what did you want to do in life? What was well, your approach? Did you intend to have all these jobs? Talk yeah, to well, me. no, not in the beginning I didn't, but um although when I look back on life, I remember when I was young seeing a guy named George Plimpton and how he was like uh did a whole bunch of different jobs. You know, he was a professional football player and he did this, he did that. I thought that was pretty interesting that I'd follow kind of that same path. But when I was growing up uh, as a kid, I lived in Hollywood. And so I used to sneak into the studios and I was a, a regular on like the Dick Van Dyke show and Gomer Pyle, uh, Bonanza. You know, they got to know me as little Stevie because I was always there. After school, I'd always go and I, you know, I started by sneaking in. But after a while, the guards got to know who I was and I didn't have to sneak in anymore. I, they, wow. they just let me in. And so, you know, that was kind of my calling. And uh, when I was 17 and a half, I, I joined the army and uh, I went into the army. It was right at the end of the Vietnam War. And um, after I got out of the army, I let the government pay for my schooling. So I went to film school, moved back to Los Angeles. And while I was in school, I also had to get a job because I they paid for the tuition. They didn't pay for my rent or my food. So I had to actually work. And I got a job as a waiter. Now, uh, I guess politically correct, I was a server. Not okay. A <laughs> So <laughs> thank you, sir. <laughs> yeah, certainly. But but I, I hated the job. And I got to tell you, I have nothing but respect for servers. And I tip mm. them immensely no matter where I go, because that's a tough job. Nothing worse than hungry, grumpy people. But it wasn't a job I wanted to do. So a friend of mine in film school was also a stuntman. And he told me about a guy that taught people how to be stuntmen. And his name was Kim Kahana. He happened to be Charles Bronson's stunt double. And so I went and I enrolled and went to stunt school with Kim Kahana. And I got to tell you, it made a change in my life because I picked the right guy. He taught me the right way. And I became successful at stunt work. And I worked on over 350 movies and TV shows. Um, you can always tell my age because, you know, I named the shows I was on. It was like on Wonder Woman and Starsky and Hutch and Battlestar Galactica, <laughs> The Incredible Hulk. So all that in those days. Yeah, that was a that was my my stunt career. But I ended up getting hurt. And, you know, all my stunt buddies, they'd all been hurt. They'd all have broken bones. They were wired together. But mm. I crushed a kneecap and it was a pain I never wanted to ever experience again. You know, so I retired from stunt work. All of my buddies were like, are you crazy? You've succeeded. You've made it. You've what everybody wants and you're going to walk away. And I said, well, yeah, but, um, you know, when one door closes, another one always opens. That's been my philosophy my whole life. And it's been true. Uh, I ended up opening a restaurant. And because of where I was in Los Angeles, I opened the restaurant in Encino on Ventura Boulevard. A lot of my actor friends lived in all of the hills around there, Tarzana. Uh, and so they would come to my restaurant. And once the public knew that celebrities were at the restaurant, then the public wanted to come. Mm -hmm. And in Hollywood, it's all about being seen and who you see, you know? So I was very successful at the restaurant business, had it for a couple of years, but then just like I didn't want to get hurt again, I didn't want to work so hard. I mean, it was seven days a week, 24 hours a day. So I sold the restaurant right when it was doing really, really well. So again, people said, you are nuts. What are you doing? But you know, I didn't tell you this part when I was in the army, I was a cook. So that kind of like led me to that food side of things. Also later in life when I was doing cooking shows. Uh, but so when, uh, then I got involved into the martial arts business, you know, being uh, throughout high school, I took martial arts and stunt work. I did martial arts. And so 
had a martial arts school, then a second school, then a third school. And all of a sudden I was back in the restaurant business. It was seven days a week, 24 hours a day. Mm-hmm. Said, nope, not going to do this anymore. So I started looking at different things that I could do. And I'm, I'm a very creative guy. I love create creative people and, and being creative. Uh, the book I told you about earlier is my most recent. I've actually written four books in, in my life and all of them completely different. Uh, good example. I wrote a book again from my cookware days or, or my cooking days. I wrote a book for the birthday gag gift market. It's called Ooh. the Denture Wearers Cookbook. Get Holes, out. Partials and flippers. Get <laughs> out. Yep. So, so you know, then, then I wrote a book. So anyway, back to the world of entertainment. Um, I never got out of the film business, the movie business. I At the same time I had the restaurant, I also became a talent manager. And uh, I had a couple of celebrity clients. Uh, one of them in which I actually went around the world with three different times. Um, he was very... I'll tell you who he is. I mean, if you've ever seen a police academy movie, Michael Winslow, the guy that did all the noises with his voice. Okay. Okay. Michael and I were together for 18 years. And because Michael doing the noises and making noises, that transitions any language barrier. Everybody knows a helicopter is a helicopter. It sounds the same no matter what country you're in. So we got hired a lot. In Germany, uh, actually done in Australia. We did a couple of tours in Australia. Um, so been around the world. The interesting thing about that, I love people. I love seeing different types of people. I love creative people. That was the most interesting part of that job because I started to meet people from like we were in Moscow and Moscow was the only country that people didn't smile. I mean, it just seemed like they were just all unhappy. And I was like, I've never seen this before. Because then I, we went to Tokyo. And in Tokyo, everybody was happy. And not only were they happy, they were well organized with that many people on that small little island. And they didn't bump into each other. I mean, it was just so well orchestrated. you know. So things like that. In Germany, I was on the Autobahn. And we were in a Mercedes. And the guy was doing 140. And I was like, my eyes were this big and I was a stunt guy and I was scared and we got passed by a motorcycle and he, <laughs> the, the driver turned and looked at me and he said, if I had my summit tires, he never would have passed me. <laughs> oh my goodness gracious. <laughs> wow. So Steve, the way your bio reads with all these, it sounds like you jumped from job, but you didn't, you were invested in several careers for, yeah. for years and even decades. Yes. You have deep experience. It's yes. just that when you put it all together, Together, it, it looks like it like- was just job hopping, but it wasn't. I actually spent a lot of time in each one of these jobs. You know, I, I did. A, I, be, I wanted to become I got to tell you, I was doing cooking shows and mm-hmm. I was at a, a fair in New York and I was I have a stage and I got an audience and I cooked this meal up and I was looking at a hypnotist who was and I had some somewhat of a hard time getting people to sit in my audience they weren't they were at a fair. They weren't interested in that so much. They were interested in other things. But this hypnotist, he was filling up his seats. He did like three shows a day. And it was like they just mentioned it over the loudspeaker and people just poured in to his show. So I said to my wife, I said, you know what? I think I'd rather do that than these cooking shows because I got to work at getting people to sit. They just mentioned him and they all go sit. So I went and talked to him. He told me about a guy that teaches hypnosis and a guy named Jeff Ronning. I went and studied with Jeff Ronning and I learned how to be a stage hypnotist. Now, it's not just being a stage hypnotist. I learned hypnosis. I learned the, the hypnot, you know, the therapy behind hypnosis and what it really is in the conscious and subconscious mind, which by the way, 
leads to what I do today in my marketing, in my business mm -hmm. coaching, because it's all about the conscious and subconscious mind and really how the human being works. So, but anyway, so I became a hypnotist, but that, that job, the studying took a couple of years, but the job of being a stage hypnotist didn't last very long. And the only reason it didn't last very long is because there wasn't enough money in it for me. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but I will tell you a quick little story because okay. my first ever stage hypnosis job, it was at a moose lodge and I had three worries. My first worry was that nobody was going to show up. My second worry was that I wasn't going to get the people to get on the stage. And then my third worry was I wouldn't be able to put them under. So mm. my wife and I and my daughter, we drive up to the parking lot of the Moose Lodge and there's three cars in the parking lot. Worry number one, nobody's oh, showing up. <laughs> Luckily, when we went inside, there was like maybe a dozen people. There was, but it started filling up. People were coming in. So we got people. Then I did the, what they call a pre-talk. When you get up on stage and you start inviting people to come up on stage. Mm. And when I did it, only three people came up to sit down. I had 10 chairs out. My second worry, I wouldn't be able to get people on the stage. So they teach you, you keep on talking until you fill those seats. <laughs> so I did, and I filled the seats. Then my third worry about not putting them under, I started doing the induction. And when you're doing the induction, you know what to look for as a hypnotist you, to see if they're going under or they're not going under. If they're not going under, you want to send them back to the audience because it's not going to help the show. I ended up sending back everybody except for the first three who came up on stage. Oh. And I did the show with those three. Now, it was a rocking show. It was everybody had a great time. I mean, the whole crowd was into it. I sold, I think, like 20 DVDs at the end of the show just for the three people. And everybody knew who they were. So they wanted copies of it. So it really rocked. And I have a check. It's on my wall up here. Uh, it's for $415. <laughs> Not enough money. <laughs> but it but was a rocking show. It was a rocking show, but I learned a lot because of hypnosis it, it, that leads to everything that I did in life after that. You know, and that's been the case on everything I've done in all my careers. It, it's, it's always people don't realize that everything you do in life leads you someplace. You just don't know where it's leading you until you get there. And sometimes you don't even know then. But if you look back on your life and you can almost pinpoint certain events that took place that well, go back to my stunt days when I was in stunt school. Remember when I was a kid, I snuck into the studios. Mm -hmm. Yep. One of the things Kim Kahana tried to teach us was how to sneak into studios because, you know, you got to be known. And I was like, I got that in spades. I did that as a kid. So how did I know? You know, and that was it. I snuck into studios and I actually got my first stunt job because I snuck on to Universal Studios and snuck on to the uh, Battlestar Galactica set where Lauren Green was starring in at the time. And remember, when I was a kid, I used to go to the Bonanza set and uh, sure. I just went up to him and I said, you know, Mr. Green, you probably don't remember me. But when I was a kid, I used to come to the Bonanza set and he looked at me and he goes, Stevie. And I went, yeah, and we hugged. And he was like, hey, what are you doing? I'm in stunt school. And he goes, do you have your SAG card yet? And I said, not yet. He goes, oh, I'll take care of that. And got me my SAG card. Wow. So, you so you never know where life leads you. It's incredible the way it works out. So, yeah, yeah so all of my jobs, and I've, I've had so many different jobs, even a, a taxi driver, that was, I get the rug pulled out from underneath, like all of us in life. We end up sometimes getting the rug pulled out from underneath us, and we yeah. have to sometimes scramble. And so I did. I scrambled and became a taxi driver when I was in the army. I moonlighted as a cab driver. How did I know later in life that would come in handy? It just did. It just did. 
but I, uh, so I spent a, uh, about a year and a half driving a cab. And I'll tell you what, I learned a lot from that job just for the people I met and the incredible stories that people had to tell. And it, it, it's, it, I look back on it fondly, actually, and not as something that was a negative, you know, and then, of course, life started getting better for me again. And so I quit doing the cab driving and uh, it, just everything led to the right thing. I went to a copywriting school. I mean, there's I, I don't remember all the jobs I've had in life. <laughs> Fascinating, Steve. Thank you for, for sharing that each job led to something led and who you are, how you relate to people. Brett Lillian, how you make an impression on people, the people you remember, the people who remember you all links back in some way. Steve, I call life a, a quilt, a patchwork quilt. Yes. And each of us has the different squares. They're all uniquely mine or mine, Steve, yours or yours, Lillian, yours or yours. And each experience, each place you've been, each job you've had, each person you've met is part of a little square that's uniquely yours, the color, the shape, the fabric, the patterns on it. And when you look at your life, you can see all of these parts if you look at it as a quilt and they all make the quilt that is our life. And at any I, point in time, you have the quilt. When you're 12, you got the quilt. When you're 30, you got the quilt. When you're 70, you got the quilt. It's just a bigger quilt with a few more or a lot more patches. So that's that's how I look at life. Lillian, do you relate to that? It's, it's just uh, my it's construct. What do you think? Beautiful, beautiful analogy. I think I'll borrow it from now on. I will be uh, you returning. Definitely. You certainly uh, may. <laughs> Life is a hole with many, many doors, and uh, depend, subject to which door you will open, that's uh, what experience you'll have. Uh, and Steve had amazingly uh, uh, big hole in his life uh, that he opened so many doors, and he was successful uh, in many things and tried uh, um, all different tastes uh, of different careers. Uh, but no matter what he did, he always had to use his personality and right. his true energy to get where he wanted to be, whether he was a stuntman exactly. or a taxi driver with charisma to get more tips or a waiter <laughs> or a marketing person or a leader. You need your sexual energy mm -hmm. Your aphrodisiac expert is talking. <laughs> now you know, Steve McChesney. Now you know why it all worked for you. Lillian just explained it. Well, Listen, you know, when she ahead. explained it, when she explained it earlier, I was getting, I was going, wow, I sparkle. Okay, yeah, <laughs> that works. Uh, leader in business. Oh, yeah. There Good energy. Go. Yes. Steve, it's never too late. <laughs> Steve's been living the sparkling eyes all along. I want to I want to make sure we get some time for our national holidays and our famous people birthday. So let's just quickly go through. You can do a shout out or happy birthday to anybody you know on this list. But today we have one, two, three, four, five, about 10. I only pick people who are still alive. I sometimes pick people who are really famous or are gone. But let me start with the young ones. Russian tennis player Maria Sharapova, five Grand Slam singles titles, is 33 today. How is that possible? She's done so much in general, only 30. That's like an offense against you, man. 33, and look what she's done. And I look at my life, I say, so? You're lazy. What are you doing? Okay, never mind. I've only had seven careers. Actress, comedian Ali Wong is 38. I'm a little bit familiar with her work. I've seen her. Kate Hudson, oh my, Goldie Hawn's daughter, is mm -hmm. all of 41. 
How many um, movies has she made? How many people has she been related to? I don't know. James Franco, very outspoken actor, is 42. He's got quite a, quite a history there uh, and quite a disposition. Jennifer Esposito is 48, and I think she was the partner of uh, Danny on Blue Bloods, one of his first partners. She's been in a lot of shows. I like her as an actress. Ashley Judd. 52. Well, we're getting into the grown-up range here, Steve, right? If you're mm -hmm. 52, you're a real grown-up. Uh, actor Tony Plana, I think I've seen him in a lot of shows, 68. Tim Curry, the actor, turned 74. And Eleanor Donahue, I think she was the daughter and father knows best. She's 83 oh. today. So everybody say happy birthday to Happy birthday. Happy birthday. Yeah. Now we're going to do some holidays and let's see if you celebrate them or how you will or would. So today is National Garlic Day. Lillian, I think garlic is supposed to have a lot of healing and health properties. Is that right? Do you use garlic in any, any of your aphrodisiac potions? Absolutely, uh, but not in portions. Uh, in some recipes, definitely uh, uh, full of minerals and vitamins, amazing properties it has. Uh, and since ancient times, it um, was used as medicine. Uh, well, how do I celebrate? Simple. I make jam, garlic jam. What? Caramelized uh, garlic uh, with some butter on um, yeah. Well, on a frying pan, and then you can use it uh, with anything that actually spreads, or else just take the whole garlic and put it in the oven yes. and take it. Well, take it when it's ready, and it's I've done that. Spread. It's amazing. You can actually I've put done that. some honey in it. Yes, raw honey. Or apricot jam goes well with it too. If you take, Steve, you take the whole clove of garlic and you cut the top off to expose the garlic buds and you you heat it. You can do, I think, in a, I don't know about a microwave, you do it in a regular oven, toaster oven, and then till they're just soft and you can scoop them out with a little spoon or a little seafood fork mm. and they're delicious. I should have known that, Steve. I think we just gave you some recipes there. Yeah, I Let's, love that. I love now, that. If you're not a big garlic fan, tomorrow, Tuesday, April 20th is National Cheddar Fries Day. It's also National Pineapple Upside Down Cake Day. I used to make one of those. They're really, really fun. But here's the important one. Tomorrow is National Lookalike Day. And I'll tell you a little background here. I don't know who makes up this calendar. I just think it's fun. <laughs> With 7.4 billion people on the planet, there's bound to be somebody else who shares some of your features. So National Lookalike Day is a day to try and convince people that your match is a celebrity instead of someone you just saw in the vegetable aisle at the supermarket. So we're all going to, I don't know who looks like me, but Steve, do you have a celebrity? Well, you are a celebrity, but well, you have some, who? I got a great story for you. Yeah. I was in Hollywood and, you know, before I had this beautiful silver hair, I used mm. to have black hair mm. and my younger days. And I had a big bushy mustache. I didn't have the goatee going. And uh, I was in, on Sunset Boulevard and I was walking down the boulevard and across the street, they had a bunch of cafes with the seating outside. I saw two guys looking at me. And so it was, you know, the eerily kind, like they were staring. Mm -hmm. And so I just kept walking and they just kind of turned their head and were staring at me as I walked by. And so I felt a little uneasy, but I ended up walking down. And I crossed the street and I started coming back. I was actually going back to a sound studio. I'm, I'm coming back and I see them staring at me still as I'm walking toward them. And as I get right in front of them, one guy goes to the other guy goes, I told you that's not Geraldo. <laughs> <laughs> 
it had to be the mustache. It, it was, had, it was. It yes. had to be the mustache. We all know her all those mustaches. <laughs> Lillian, do you think you have a, they call it a doppelganger, somebody who looks like you, who's famous? No, I actually never seen anyone who, who um, has this kind of features. Um, well, it's either one or the other, either uh, Afro like me or uh, a big nose like me. But uh, I didn't. No, I didn't see a big uh, nose. I, I now, <laughs> Lillian. I have to ask you. You have such a beautiful accent. May I ask where you're from originally? Well, I'm from the country where everyone smiles. Uh, Steve, uh, it's uh, Moscow, Russia. Really. Uh, People there smile more than anywhere in the world. I didn't see it. I didn't see it. Steve, that's it. Steve, you were there on the wrong day. I guess I was. I guess I. The wrong day. It was the one thing I noticed. It was like, I mean, I, I, I. I just didn't see it. I was like, I've never been to a country like that before. Maybe it was the wrong day. I will tell you what happened while I was there. (laughs) It was when they had the attempted coup. Um, We were filming Police Academy Academy 7, Mission to Moscow. That's what we were there for. And there was the hotel we were in was the old KGB headquarters. And there was tanks that came down the road and were shooting at the White House. Not the Kremlin, but the White House. And if you ever see Police Academy 7, Mission to Moscow, there's only one scene in the whole movie where the whole cast is driving by. And in the background, you see the White House with all the black marks on it from the, the tank fire that happened. So they surrounded, Marines surrounded our, our our hotel. I mean, it was like we didn't know what was going to happen there. But maybe that was why they weren't happy, because things were changing I or starting you, to you, you were there the wrong day that was just yeah. Lily, Lillian knows they were smiling every other day Lillian, you got the beautiful wow. smile I love doesn't your smile she, doesn't she Lillian, yeah Lillian lit up the whole country you should have gone the day she was there <laughs> that's right Wednesday April 21st is national bulldogs are beautiful day I'm just gonna let that one go but it's kindergarten day <laughs> if you have anybody that young but it's tea day and I know you have a lot of aphrodisiac types of Tease, Lily, and we could talk about it. We're almost out of time, actually, 10 minutes left. Thursday, April 22nd is National Earth Day. We all know that. It's also Take Our Kids to Work Day. I'm past that point. And it's Jelly Bean Day. So let oh. me give you a little history of jelly beans. Steve likes that. In the 1800s, Boston-based confectioner William Schraft, we've all heard of Schraft's, encouraged sending jelly beans to soldiers fighting in the Civil War. So the, the campaign was send in the jelly beans. In 1920... F. Scott Fitzgerald penned the story, The Jelly Bean, about an aimless loafer named Jim Powell. And the caption on this one is, are you a man or a jelly bean? In the 1960s, Jelly Bean Patch, we think we might know where that comes from, President Ronald Reagan binged on jelly beans in an attempt to quit smoking. So the question is, can they make a jelly bean patch to stop smoking? In the 2000s, Bertie bots every flavor beans in Harry Potter. The Harry Potter movie inspired the production of bizarre flavors of jelly beans. And then the bottom line is, what's a jelly bean? Sugar, corn syrup, starch, and color, and have a good time with them. So that's the history of jelly beans. I thought you would both enjoy that. Friday is National Impossible Astronaut Day. I'm going to explain that in a minute. It's Cherry Cheesecake Day. I like cheesecake. I don't think I've had it with cherries on top, but I might. It's Picnic Day. Okay. It's Take a Chance Day. I don't know on what. It's World Book Day. Not the World Book, which I owned as a kid. That was our encyclopedia, but World Book Day for reading. It's also Take Our Daughters and Sons to Work, which is weird because the day before was Take Our Kids to Work. So if you didn't have kids and you had sons (laughs) and daughters, I can't. But here's Impossible Astronaut Day. 
the biggest fan of the super hit sci-fi series, Doctor Who. Celebrate the airing of season six, episode one in 1963 on the BBC. Doctor Who was partly inspired by Sherlock Holmes. So something to do with impossible astronaut day. I have no idea. Saturday is skipping day. Anybody remember how to skip? Kind of bumpy. I could do that, I think. And it's National Pigs in a Blanket Day. Lillian, do you know what pigs in a blanket are? Do you know what they are? Well, um, I know about the uh, hot dogs. That's it. It's little tiny hot dogs, little tiny hot dogs baked in a pastry, and they serve them as appetizers, or you buy them frozen and serve them up. Pigs in a blanket, they're called, which is a weird name. Betty Crocker's cookbooks in every post-war kitchen exposed impressionable children to this culinary delight. I don't think they're that healthy, but who knew in those days? In 1957, she published Betty Crocker's Cooking for Kids with the first simple recipe for pigs in blankets and the rest is history so they caught on steve do you still go to cocktail parties where they serve pigs in blankets yeah you know i don't really go to many cocktail parties anymore but Who does? <laughs> yeah but i uh, you know we we tend to serve some pigs in the blanket around my house every now and then there you go and they're good i don't eat i don't eat red meat or any kind of beef products anymore but i used to enjoy them but i have two more days for you sunday april 25th is national you're gonna like this one lillian national kiss and makeup day and that could extend, you got a couple of aphrodisiac potions in there that could be a lot more than kissing, and, right? There you go. It's also Hairstylist Appreciation Day on Sunday. I don't know who's open on Sunday for hairstyles. I go on Thursdays. It's Hug a Plumber Day. So if you got a plumber, you're dragging them out on Sunday, give them a hug and maybe a potion. It's Pet Parents Day. I know people who are the parents of four-legged pets and it's their day. It's Telephone Day. I have no idea why. And it's Pinhole Photography Day. Do you remember pinhole oh. photography, Steve? For some reason, it's being celebrated on Sunday. And the National Monday, next Monday, the 26th, because it will be happening before I go on the air Monday night. I have to pre-announce the holidays. So it's National Pretzel Day. It's Audubon Day, the gentleman who photographed birds. It's Dissertation Day, if you know anybody getting ready to give a dissertation. It's Help a Horse Day. I don't know who comes up with these. Help a horse day. Let's just leave. <laughs> and the one that's most interesting is it's Richter Scale Day because it's the birthday of Charles Richter. Ah, he founded. That's right. The Richter Scale, the first instrument used to measure earthquakes. So those are all the holidays. So we're just about out of time here. We've got about five minutes left. And I want to make sure people know where to find each of you and both of you. So Steve McChesney, where, what website would you like people to go to? You say it and I'll spell it if I can do that. Go ahead. Sure. Uh, I'm going to give you two. Yep. If you want a free copy of my book, you can go to rearrangingchange.com. Okay. Can I spell that one? Sure. R-E-A-R-R-A-N-G-I-N-G-C-H-A-N-G-E.com. Rearrangingchange.com. Did I get that? Correct. Oh, the joy Correct. of my life. Go ahead. And, and then the, the, other, the other one is just go to stevemcchesney.com. And that's my overall website with all of my interesting things on it. And that's Steve, S-T-E-V-E, McChesney is M-C-C-H-E-S-N-E-Y. So there's two C's in there. S-T-E-V-E, M-C-C-H-E-S-N-E-Y.com. Thank you, Steve. Correct. Lillian, what website would you like people to go to to find more about you and your book? My website is very simple. It's uh, aphrodisiacs, expert, one word, dot com. So let's see if I can do that one. A P H R O Afro D I S I A C S 
expert, E-X-P-E-R-T, aphrodisiacs, plural, expert.com. Got it? Absolutely right, yes. Okay, good. And where can people get your book? Where can they find your book, Lillian? Well, it's uh, on Amazon, uh, Ingram Spark. Um, they can uh, go on uh, the same website and order there. And uh, as a special uh, thing for uh, listeners tonight, tonight, I would like to offer uh, a beautiful T-shirt, Afro Dope, the original recipe of the Love Potion T-shirt for everyone who will. Uh, uh, reach out to uh, me uh, via the website uh, tonight. Very, very nice. nice. That's nice. aphrodisiacsexpert.com. Laura LLL, I want you to go to her website and get one of those t-shirts. You'll be the hit of the dance. Play- when the, all the dance places open this summer, Laura, you can wear Lillian's t-shirt and have a lot of attention coming to you. So we have about three, two and a half minutes left. I'm going to ask for a um Steve, let's just play a little game here. Just one sentence. If you had to leave where you are right now, your home, your office, looks like you're in a beautiful space. And I told you had a box that was two feet by two feet by two feet. So it's 24 by 24 by 24. What three things would you put in that besides your cell phone that would tell us who you are? I would find a way to fit my wife in there. A lot of people say they put their spouse in. What would you put in there with her quickly? Um, what would have been there with her? God, she's all I need. Um, that, that's it. That's the answer. Lillian, if you had a box 24 by 24 by 24, what would you put in the box? Okay. Um, three things. The first, the first it's you, Red, uh, because you're fun. <laughs> Definitely. I need you with me everywhere. Number two, I would put my, uh, cosmetics, uh, bag with cosmetics yes. because, um, well, I love being, looking, uh, attractive. Yes. And uh, the third thing, it would be a music box. I love music. It is something I can't live without. That's beautiful. I've never heard quite that. Usually people say their keys or they say their husband or their wife. That's fine. I would say my lipstick, my cell phone, but everybody takes their cell phone. So it would be my computer and probably my my artwork. I've only painted 125 paintings since COVID started and I need a bigger house because I've run out of wall space. <laughs> I'm going to close with a couple of words. Go ahead, Lillian, real fast. I got to close. Take me with you. Take me in your box. I you will. You will never be bored. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not either way. Thank you very much. Here are my words to live by. A couple of things here. Life is short. Break the rules. Forgive quickly. Kiss slowly. Because Lillian and I know that's just the only way to kiss. Love truly. Steve, you know it now. Love truly. Laugh uncontrollably and never regret anything that made you smile. And here are my final closing words. Work like you don't need the money. If you do, work like you're pretending you don't need it anyway. Dance like nobody's watching. I used to teach dancing, and believe me, everybody watched. Sing like nobody's listening, and I can only hope nobody is. That's why I don't sing on the radio. Love like you've never been hurt because we all have, so get over it. Money talks. Chocolate sings. And last but not least, and I stole this line from another radio host years ago, last but not least, thank you for turning me on. Radio Red says goodbye. Steve McChesney, Lillian Zelter, thank you. Don't go away. We'll talk afterwards. I want to end this. So everybody say thank you to Josh, my engineer, and bye-bye from Read My Lips, cool conversations with creators. Bye, Facebook. Bye, Lillian. Bye, Steve. Wave goodbye. Thanks again for tuning in to Read My Lips Radio, presented by the Voice America Variety Channel. Tweet your questions and comments to at Radio Red 777. 
Join host, a.k.a. Radio Red, again next Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We wish you a positively cool, creative week.